All right. Welcome to the Assistant to the General Manager podcast, part of the Off the Glass Podcast Network. Today we're going to do the Boston Celtics offseason deep dive, and I'll go ahead and toss it to Sam to let us know how their last season went. Yeah, Celtics have been a bit in the news lately, and usually when your GM retires, allegedly, and your coach gets replaced or moved out it probably is a sign that you didn't have the most successful season so uh, we'll probably touch on that later but as far as their actual play on the court I mean they were an even 500 which is pretty shocking to me I think I had them something like finishing third in the east uh, coming into the year and they underperformed their like expected win loss percentage a little bit they did have I think they're 13th in point differential. Obviously, they made the playoffs and got the gentleman sweep from the Nets. They pretty much had no chance. I think almost nobody would give them a real chance. Of course, they were dealing with injuries as well. It was kind of a wild season for them. Like I think I heard on Celtics Lab, actually, that they had the number one most missed games from COVID absences. And they also had injuries. Marcus Smart was hurt. Kemba missed 29 games. Smart missed 27 games. Tim and Brown missed eight and 14 games. So I know it happened to a lot of teams, but they kind of were hit the hardest. And it's tough to say if what we just saw from them is representative. But yeah, that's kind of where they fell this year. I mean, they have the 16th overall pick, which is kind of a far cry from going to game six of the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So it's kind of a whole different season this time around than it was a year ago. Yeah, it just feels like a wash, honestly. Like it's kind of a point this season. Everyone was hurt. They had the COVID issues, and they didn't. Tatum was talking about how you might not have even like really recovered and was having like just like the breathing problems, things like that. They're already kind of shaky chemistry-wise too, and seems like Brad Stevens was at his ends, and Danny Ainge was as well. So it's just really weird season, probably the best way to describe it. And all the Gordon Hayward drama before the season even started. So yeah, it's just overall weird season for them. I wouldn't put too much stock in it, but one of the most important things I think is probably the thing that might hold the most stock is just what's going on with Kimba. Like, is he going to be a bad player for the rest of his career? Like, because he's hurt all the time and he's a small guard, so an aging small guard on a huge contract or is that like end of the season where he did pick it up a little bit is that a sign he's getting back to normal so just all in all like so tough to know what to take away from the season i mean actually saying that though i mean jalen brown was shooting out of his mind and like creating shots in the beginning of the season i'm pretty sure that did level off pretty significantly but like when he had like a 70 percent true shooting at the beginning of the year just not missing anything from mid-range then Tatum looking like a real superstar in the playoffs, which, I mean, he has done plenty of times, but like probably this playoffs looked like he took it to a whole nother level. And one thing I kind of like, which has me, we'll obviously get into all the details, but one thing that just does have me kind of like high on their future is just Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith looking like actual players, like who knows what quality, but at least like players you can play in the playoffs at some point. And I mean, that's two versatile wings right there. And, like the it looks like the floor is back in rotation guy, but it's still a playoff. So, something you can probably play in the playoffs as a as a wing. The most important thing, versatile wing. So even if you're like not a high end one of those, it's still really nice to have versatile wings. But I mean, if they both hit like 70, 80 percent outcome, I mean, you're starting. I mean, that's a you got a lot of a lot of different things you can do there with those two. And then uh, Tatum and Brown already having like two dominant wings as is. So definitely something some positives I think, but the whole Kimba situation is going to probably the most impactful thing. 
Yeah, a lot to unpack there. But like you started with Jalen Brown, I had some notes about him. Like he was like forty percent on above the break threes, which is huge because those aren't not like you're camping out in the corner shooting the closer ones, right? You're probably creating some of those from your yourself as well as just they're harder shots, right? And it's more valuable to have guys that can make those. So that was huge. Um, he was up to 68% at the rim, which I think is in like the 80th percentile. And for me, you know, above the break threes, getting to the rim, like those are two critical areas for being able to score at an elite level. And he also had an improved free throw rate for the fourth straight season. So he, like you said, he did start out like blazing and, and he tailed off a little bit, but still, if you zoom out and look at the whole year, it was definitely a successful season for him. And then, like you alluded to, what happens when a lot of your guys get hurt is that you do at least have a chance to see some of your younger players grow. And Smith, I thought, was flashing in, in spurts towards the end of the season in the playoffs. Like, I think you agree there that he he's like for sure a role player, like you said, and maybe more. Who knows? The one thing that maybe I would disagree with is that you said season is kind of a wash like i think if you zoom out and look at some of the big picture things i think that this season actually like i think that they won't view it as a wash because i like like you said with kemba i think that they might actually look at the season and say it's not worth it anymore to pay kemba or try to push all the way for a top team with this squad and then i think they also learned like brown maybe you'll disagree with brown is i think he's a little bit below tatum but he's close to untradeable as well being such a young two-way stud wing like i don't know maybe you disagree but i, I think that you some of the big picture things they took a lot of stock from this season like they, they got rid of danny yeah. they got rid of their coach they probably like i saw a report that from bleacher report that kemba and boston basically both want to go separate ways which i thought was pretty surprising so like i actually think that they are going to make some big pivots and they already have based off of maybe not just based off of this year. Right. It could have been based off a few seasons. Like, so they've made it the Eastern conference finals, even just last year with the bubble. But do you think that that team really had a chance to actually win a title? You're talking about any of the, you're talking about just last year. Well, really or any, any of the them, three, but, but I was three. talking about the one that lost the heat. But Yeah. I think that one definitely could have, I don't know, man, bubble basketball is so weird. Um, like I've always been the biggest one. Like I will never say like Lakers don't deserve any credit, but I always say it's different. Like it was very different. Um, we're, we saw how Anthony Davis was hurt this year, but I mean he just for the no at no point in the season was he shooting long twos and threes like he did in the bubble. Rondo has been a whole different player this playoffs. Um, so yeah, if I'm kind of trying to look at it with like just pretending there wasn't a bubble. Um, I mean, I give them a fighter chance. I definitely wouldn't like rule out last year. Uh, didn't they win the overall like point differential against the Heat, even though they lost and was it six they lost in? They lost in six, yeah. I mean, they may have. But, they, like, do you think they're better than like the Bucks? Like, I think that like going into the playoffs, I would say that the Celtics had pretty close to no chance to actually win it. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely not a hot chance. But I mean, I think I was. I guess I was looking at more just making the finals. Um, I think they very easily could have beat the Heat in that series. Um, All the games basically close. Beat a pretty good Raptors team, too. I think the year, the other year that they went to the finals with uh, Tatum as a rookie, that's the year that they really missed their chance. The year they lost to LeBron? Yeah. The game when it was like when when both Boston and Houston just went ice cold and ruined not having a – not having a Golden State Cleveland finals could have been the other two teams. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe that's fair. Like, yes, for me, it didn't. Like, they, they've been really successful, but it doesn't seem like they were actually in the running to take it down. But maybe I'm not giving enough credit for, like, random chance. Like, the Raptors probably were never in consideration for a team that people thought would actually win until they did, right? And then this year, I mean, who knows? Like, talking about bubble basketball being weird, those four teams that were the last four last season, I mean, the Nuggets are down 3-0 right now as uh, recording this. They're all about to be out, right? Lakers out, Heat swept out, Boston out. So I guess maybe there's some more randomness involved now that there's no juggernaut, although Brooklyn might be that juggernaut. We're not yeah. sure yet. It's it's funny. This is just taking me back to last year, how conflicted we were with the Celtics uh, when we did their offseason pod. Just when we were thinking about, like, Will they ever like get to the championship level? Like they'll probably be really good for a long time, but just when do they? How do they do it? When do they do it? Um, yeah, a lot of. I think this team's always going to conflict us. Yeah, and I mean they were the seventh seed this year. This year you kind of want to throw out, but not too promising of a start to their uh, continuation of, you know. Experience. Yeah, and real quick too to. Um, what you were saying a couple of minutes ago before we start talking about the finals runs. Um, yeah, I think I used the wrong word saying the season was a wash because as I was like talking myself through it, as I sometimes do, uh, I started to realize just kind of how, which just like the things that the, like the significance that, that they'd come from this season um, or potentially could come from this season. Usually, I guess when I say wash, I was kind of just thinking it was just a point. It was just a weird year. Yeah, no, I think that's a good word, actually. Like, I think this actually will be a really significant season uh, in terms of where they go from here, um, as we've already seen. But, but yeah. yeah, You can go ahead. Oh, I'll just say nothing too granular on their season. Like like you mentioned, all the injuries, they got handled by maybe the best team in the league pretty quickly. Didn't have Jalen Brown there. So, I think looking at it from kind of a zoomed out view is a little bit more appropriate for this type of thing. Yeah. I think that's a good place to transition to uh, what their books look like going into this off season. If you want to kick that off. Yeah. So they're in a pretty tough spot. Um, like you mentioned Kemba earlier, kind of being the main reason, right? So even without keeping Fournier, they are already over the tax for next year, which is pretty wild. So they have, Kemba, Tatum's extension kicks in right now. Jalen Brown, all three of those guys are north of $26 million, with Kemba being over 36 kind of the albatross in the room. And then uh, Marcus Smart, still on a value deal, but he will expire after next season, sitting around 14. And then the Tristan Thompson deal is looking pretty ugly when he probably is their second or third best big man uh, behind Robert Williams. And he has 9.7 million guaranteed for next year. So yeah, so they're already over the tax without bringing back Fournier. And it feels like, it seems like they maybe would want to keep Fournier around. He's a solid player. They have no way to replace him if he leaves. So yep. they would have to be, basically they have to do something, right? Cause they, I don't know if they want to pay astronomical amount of luxury tax for a team that probably is, I don't know. Maybe their ceiling is like third in the East or something. But yeah, then they have a bunch of more rookie scale guys that a lot of people like. Like they have Robert Williams, who's going to be extension eligible. They have Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, Aaron Neesmith, Robbie Langford, um, Carson Edwards, a few others. But yeah, they're up against it in terms of being capped out. <laughs> yeah, like you said, they're like already above the tax for you put anything on the books for Fournier. Um, 
he has a pretty big hold too, but it's not like that really matters because it's not eating up tax space, uh, cap space. They, I think moving Thompson though, there's what there's it's pretty there's pretty easy routes for them to get to using their full MLE. Like basically any if they do a trade and they just take back two or three less million in general, that should be enough. But I mean they're probably not gonna do anything significant just because this doesn't seem like the type of team that ownership's gonna want to pay the tax for. So. And they're just always they kind of like last year. It's not as bad as last year, but just having so many people already under contract for next year, just with all these draft picks, where they just end up kind of making the picks, and the guys are still on roster. And you just got people, you got guys like their two two way guys, Taco Fall, Trey Mount Waters. I mean, I don't. I think what they have cap holes for the minimum. So can they do another two way? Can you do three two ways in a row? Or is there some rule against that? I think you can only do two two ways in a row. Yeah, but regardless, um, they might if they want to bring one of those guys back. That's a roster spot, so there's not too much room to maneuver around. But it's not the craziest thing for them to get to their full MLE. And they have the um, the rest of the trade exception from the Gordon Hayward sign and trade last off season. Yeah, so they have a few ways to add even more salary, but I kind of doubt that they actually will, right? Because they already yeah. are so expensive. That basically, they have to make a trade first. But but yeah, that's good to note that they have about 11 million left on the for, on the well Gordon Hayward trade exception, which they use most of it on Fournier. And then I mean, I kind of assume that the tax pyramid level would be all that they really would be in store for, yeah. um, which is about three years and 18 and a half million. Um, so obviously, they could use that if they don't go for their full MLE. Probably wish they didn't use their full MLE last year. Yeah, now they might have to burn through some assets to get off of that. Um, do you have any thoughts on, I mean, we've kind of, we've touched, we've touched on it a lot already, but we haven't really given any opinions yet. What do, how are you thinking about um, the whole front office situation, Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge? Yeah, it's hard because, like, I think of all the GMs, I think that Danny Ainge probably has the most opinions about him. Like most front offices are like somewhat anonymous or not talked about that much, but everything Danny Ainge gets all the jokes on Twitter, right? He's like the second place King for coming up in second place on trades. But I don't know. Do you feel like he actually retired? I sort of feel like they just wanted him to leave gracefully. So he said he retired. Yeah, honestly, I, I believe that that's the case, but I just really have no sort of read on that. I mean, then you got Brad Stevens jumping up too, which, like some people have been bashing that. I mean, I don't know. It's if you have a great basketball mind, then probably just type person who's just really smart and dedicated in general, like and with a good staff. Like I trust Brad Stevens do the job well. Um, but yeah, it's just you just wonder how much of that was like how long it's really been in the works if like all of it happened so fast where Ainge is out, Stevens is taken over and like you said, is Ainge retired or they force him out? Like, I don't even know. I mean, maybe we'll have to get, get with our guy, Bill Simmons on that one, see if he's got the scoop, but yeah, no idea. Yeah. I've, I don't know. I have no idea, but it seems like kind of something where they asked him to leave and he sort of just stepped down. I mean, maybe he's just had enough of it after all these years, but yeah, I, I mean, Brad Stevens, like, it is a different skill set, so it, I guess it depends who's, like, the closest people around him, right? Like, his immediate yeah. staff and how much... Because I, I don't think he's dialed in on all of the technical CBA rules when you're spending your time, you know, 
coaching and game planning and scheming and trying to develop your players. So I think it's definitely different, but I do agree that if it's just like a basketball mind you want around, maybe it's dubious the actual title he got, but maybe it's just in title. And maybe other guys will be pulling some of those strings for the first six to 12 months. Who knows? Honestly, the way I think I kind of see it is like Magic Johnson would have actually been present and good at the job that the Lakers were paying him like more than any other exec to do a few years ago where he was like the head of basketball operations. But in reality, all they probably wanted to do was say, I want this player. I want this player. Then the cap guys and nerds and all of them figure out how to do it. I feel like Brad's just going to be a good version of that. Be like, okay, I think this, this will work. It's how do we do this? And like I say, he's obviously a smart guy and obviously knows the game. So I'm sure learning as many technical technicalities that he needs to like won't be too hard and he'll have a great staff around him. So yeah, I think that's pretty I'm fine with that. Honestly. Yeah. I think magic was a little more head of PR basically. <laughs> Whereas Brad Stevens well, probably be a little more silent. Yeah. Wasn't that his title though? Head of like basketball operations and weren't they paying him like 10 million a year to do that? And like he was coming into office like once every month or something. <laughs> yeah, I forget all the details, but yeah, he was not in LA very often. And I, I feel like they just paid for the name value and people like, oh, let's go play with Magic. But I mean, got him LeBron. So or, we don't know if that got him LeBron. Well, but. I think, it, wasn't he technically gone? <laughs> I think that was like right after. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, but. Either way, correlation isn't always causation. So it was probably more of a coincidence. You probably just, I mean, LeBron already had a huge estate in LA, but, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to work. I'm sure that it's going to be fine. Um, their next coach, I guess he gets to choose. That's a little bit weird. He probably has no, I mean, I guess he has all these assistants that he's familiar with, but I, I saw that they have odds on it actually um, that you could bet on, but basically like Ime Udoka, who is the Brooklyn assistant. I don't know if I said the name right, but he is one of the top ones, as well as Chauncey Billups. I think he also Billups has been in a bunch of different rumors uh, yeah. with some of the openings right now. And then, like, Carol Lawson, who used to be Boston's assistant, and she's the coach of Duke right now. I don't know. Those I saw those three were in the running, but I can't speak too much to their coaching styles. I know that the players really liked Carol Lawson. I saw a few articles on that. Yeah, I saw one of the, uh, like, I think I saw one of, like, the odds, or I can't remember if it was just odds or who apparently has been considered, but it was all the assistants that you basically see get brought up for all the new head coaching jobs, and it's kind of hard to speak on that. Like, it's, I don't know how we're supposed to know what these uh, assistants' yeah. philosophies are and all that stuff, so when people have, like, opinions on that, I'm like, okay, cool. I don't know how you know that, but I'm sure... They could be right, but I just have no way of knowing. Uh, yeah, out of all like the recent head coaches that have been fired, I don't think any of them are great fits. One guy I'd kind of like would be Kenny Atkinson, but um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like his type of job. Yeah, Lloyd Pierce was on the list as well as far as recent coaches, but I think the Hawks couldn't wait to get him out of there, at least a few players, so I don't know if that's yeah. this fit immediately. Yeah. I do like the Chauncey Billup ones, uh, rumors. So, uh, I think it was Jackie McMullen breaking it down on when like the ringer people did their emergency pod for this. Um, but the way she was describing it, I mean, it seems like all like players respect him, have a great relationship, and he was like he made his living not being a smart player. So, I think Boston definitely needs someone who's gonna kind of like a Steve Nash 
in the way he manages personalities, but not like not egos kind of like Steve Nash kind of just the way of having just good vibes, honestly, like Boston's just kind of one of those really weird vibes teams. Uh, just looking at like every year too. I'm, and it's not even like it was a Brad Stevens problem. It's just the, all the different personalities and we had like the old people, the, the vets versus the young guys and so many weird situations there. I think you just kind of this player wise, you need some reshuffling too. And we'll get into that, but I think you just get a good uh, head coach in there who everyone's going to respect. Doesn't even need to be someone who you think's going to win you the most games right now. Cause I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't think that's the most important thing. I, I think just kind of getting someone to control the team really is the most important out of that head coaching job. Yeah. I would agree with that. All right. That's, what all, that's what all I have on the front office and coaching. Um, just quickly before we get into more specific stuff about the players and roster, um, their draft picks, they used to have a barrel of first rounders, but now they're pretty much all tapped out. They have all their own first. They're not owed anymore. There's no more residual Kings picks or anything. And then the seconds are basically a wash. I think they owe out three and they have two coming in. So as far as draft draft assets, now they're finally just like any old other team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was an error there. Um, yeah, it was. So, yeah, we've talked about the books, talked about front office, coaching, Basically everything except for what we think, what we would do as the front office. So you want to get into some general strategy stuff? Yes. I mean, they kind of have a lot of pressure points this offseason. Like they have to decide if they can keep Fournier um, around. They have to decide if they want to keep Campbell Walker around. Um, I think that those, I mean, I think it all starts with Campbell, don't you think? Yeah, I, no, no, I actually have a different opinion on that. Um, All right, why don't you why don't you put yours out there? Did, I'm just, I like this is one of the teams probably like fun off situation or situations I've had like the most notes for, so I'm trying to process like a logical way to make all this flow. Um, Are you about to trade Jason Tatum for? <laughs> no, surprisingly. Um, I guess one thing I was thinking is just a lot of times teams have like, a, okay, let's, we want to be good. So this is what we need to be good. Or we want to get better or we want to rebuild. So this is what we need to do. I just feel like um, Boston has so many situations that aren't necessarily connected. That it's just like a lot of individual things to evaluate. And it's kind of like what, if you decide to go a certain way with one thing, then that means you probably need to do something else with the other thing. And that's, I, I, let me just hear all your general thoughts and then I'll kind of just respond. All right. So <laughs> I mean, I partially based on the fact that Kemba is not on the court, partially based on the fact that he's a tiny guard that can get exploited in the playoffs, partially because he doesn't really fit with the timeline of Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, who are both in their early twenties and partially because he makes $36 million and as a player option, like I kind of think that that is where they should start is trying to get rid of him. Like the thing I wrestle with is what does that actually accomplish? If, if you get rid of him, like, do you become, yes, exactly. do you become then like the seventh best team? But like, are you already going to be the sixth or seventh best team? Like without him? So 
uh, I mean, like ownership might may want to do that, right? Like if they don't want to yeah. be paying, well, Kemba specifically, but even for the whole roster, if they don't want to be near or at the tax um, or well into it. I mean, they still have their first round pick this year. If they want to use one of their exceptions, like they're going to be well under the tax for a team that I would say has less than a 5% chance of, of winning at all. So maybe it's going to be ownership mandated, but for me, like I said, I've been wrestling with myself, but I kind of think that it, it starts with Kemba. I think that he is, he still can be good in spurts, but like he's, he's just not reliable. His health isn't reliable. And I, I don't think he does that much for you in the deep rounds of the playoffs. I mean, that, that might be selling him short a little bit. And I mean, it's not like he's like 37 years old or anything, but I don't know if they're going to take a, a massive step down in the regular season without him especially with all their younger guys that they're kind of grooming along. So if they could trade him, I think the ownership would be a fan of that for sure. And, and I just don't think that it, it'll hurt like the trajectory of their team the next like three to five seasons. So I guess for all those reasons, I would lean towards aggressively shopping him. I mean, whether that's like, there's certainly be a line like where I wouldn't want to mortgage the future by giving up multiple firsts to do it. So if that's the only option, then I wouldn't want to. But for me, that's kind of where it all starts. But if if you weren't doing that, um, yeah, no, it's really hard. It's, it's going to be hard saying, for I can, students I, to do this on the fly. Yeah, yeah as I was saying, I can respond to that Kimba stuff, though, and then we okay. can move on from there. So my thoughts on Kimba, the reason I don't think it starts with Kimba, I may agree with a lot of what you said, but kind of what you're getting at towards the end is like, I don't – it's you're not getting positive value from him. You're not like getting a pick and a young player and stuff like you're just a good chance you have to pay to get off. him. And I just don't know how much of a rush I, I'm in. I would be in to do that because the upside of him is still like, he makes you a lot better for the regular season and gives you, I mean, like you said, he has all these playoff weaknesses, but you're still a better team in the playoffs with them, with the healthy version of him versus without him. So I'm just not in too much of a rush to give up value to trade for him now. Like I was getting at in my opening statement, um, there's if you get if you like you have to evaluate the trade market and yeah you can, like you said you can aggressively shop him and if there's a good offer out there then yeah you I'm all for doing that but it's just kind of like I, I guess I would be aggressively shopping as in aggressively talking to teams and trying to understand what his value is but I'm not aggressively trying to move him. Um, if the if a good opportunity presents itself, then I'd be all for it. But I'm not gonna giving up a first to move off him. There's some scenarios where I'd be willing to do it if it's like I'm receiving another player who I like back or who has also maybe on like a slightly worse or like just a slightly better contract, but still like a bad contract overall. But you think that player can help you? But it just comes down to kind of what I was saying at first. I think. If he's somewhat healthy, like 80% of himself, which that's not a given, um, but if he is, then I you are better with him than without him, so, I think. So that's kind of where I stand on Kimba. Yeah, and I think that we're probably not actually disagreeing that much. Like It all depends on the cost, right? Like If you can actually yeah. find a team yeah. to give you positive value, like I'm sure you'd be all for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the question for I have is, do Tatum and Brown sort of drive enough scoring for you anyway? Because outside of scoring, I mean, do you think Kemba has any big positives? Like, he's not well, exactly a... Go ahead. 
I was just going to say kind of the thing we've talked about a lot is just the ISO wing style. Like you kind of need that guard who can break down the defense still or run a pick and roll to make the defense collapse. Um, and just Tatum and Brown don't necessarily put too much pressure on a defense. And it's something kind of we've talked about so much. Just like you got, okay, we got two really good wing scorers who both can shoot off ball as well. Both have like high, pretty high efficiency rates, but it just doesn't feel like they stress the defense out. And I think you do need a guy like Kimba for that. Um, obviously, like we said, not perfect for the playoffs. You start the better, the higher the round, the more problems you start to face with who who can Kimba guard on the other end, and they're just gonna attack him all the time. And can he actually go against these like better defenders when they're switching on him and they're not playing conventional pick and roll defense? So the higher up you go, the more issues that come with having Kimba, but I do think you need a Kimba type, which is kind of real quick. I'll just add why I like them bringing back Fournier too, because Fournier kind of, he's not super shifty like Kimba, but he is a good, like catch and go guy, run a pick and roll weak side attack guy. And that's not as dynamic, but that is a form of stressing out the defense. So I do, we'll get into Fournier more specifically later, but, that's why um, I do think they should try and retain him, and that's kind of my thoughts on how Kimba fits on the roster. Yeah, just, I mean, just mildly to push back on Kimba a little bit. I mean, the last three seasons, he is shooting 36, 38, and 36% from deep, so not exactly earth-shattering. It's only around five assists a game the last three years. Like, his effective field goal percentage is right around the league average, so I don't know, like... I just don't know that he – I don't know that you couldn't find 80% of him in somebody else. Um, yeah. Of course, it's just a matter of, you know, actually downgrading actually finding that him. salary. is actually finding that, that like, backup piece. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's tricky. Like, I'm sure that these same type of things go – same type of conversations are taking place, especially when Brad Stevens has seen up close what he can and yeah. can't do. So, I don't know. For me, that's the biggest pressure point, but – yeah, I, and like you said, it seems like overall opinion, we're not too far off, just kind of maybe slightly different approaches and then slightly different valuations of Kimba. Um, but I think the main pressure point, like where everything starts, is with Marcus Smart. Um, the way I see it is, so I just kind of think you need to reshuffle the deck. And I think he's in a position where... He's still a pretty positive asset. Um, so a team can extend him if they sign him, right? Because three years, he's been under contract for three years. Or if they trade for him, they'd be able to extend him. Yeah. Yeah. The, so that might not end up being enough, um, the 120%, I believe it is. But that, so that is a th- he is expiring contract. Um, so that makes it a little, that appreciates his value a little bit. But, the main reason I think you kind of just got to trade him is, re, like I said, you got to reshuffle the deck because we've talked about how weird chemistry situations they've had. And the fact that he is a positive asset still and can like really help a lot of good teams, you can get value for him that either shifts you towards a more future mindset or something that's just a very similar player or maybe something that kind of bridges the gap. You get like a solid young player and a solid first round pick. So I kind of think, you can use, and also there's the theory that a lot of people think he's 
actually taken a step back on defense and maybe he was kind of slightly hurt this year and that was really all it was. But that's just the type of thing that a lot of times people are actually late on instead of early on. If someone's just regressed on their on-ball defense and things like that. And in general, he's a guard who's not the best shooter and plays really hard. You probably got a lot of injuries building up. There's a good chance you can pull the Bill Belichick and trade him a year too early instead of a year too late. And also he's, he's an expiring contract. So you're going to either have to pay him or trade him essentially, or wait it out. And I just feel like there's a really good chance to trade him for positive value. And you could probably, I, there's so many conflicting players with the Celtics. Like we've talked about Jalen Brown before, like his trade value. And we talked about Marcus Smart. Like I go back and forth on him so much. Like, can you find 90% of what he does for like a $5 million player? Like, especially if he's regressed a little bit, like I struggle so much with that. Sometimes I'm like, Oh no, you got to have him out there. Then other times it's like, he's kind of a headache, even though he's a, you like what he brings. He is kind of a headache. You can maybe replace a lot of what he does. So I've kind of just rambled on about a bunch of different points, but I'll try to summarize it a little. It's just the fact that he is expiring and you can use this to set the direction of your franchise. I'm not, it's not that big of a deal, but just kind of give you somewhat of a more future-based or present-based approach. And I think you can still replace a lot of what he does. If it's not 80, 90, maybe it's 75, but I just think it's a good time. It, the personality stuff, like it's, it's, he's probably just overstayed his welcome at this point. Let's, we can get a lot back for him. Let's kind of just reshuffle the deck a little bit and, See what we can do in the future. Uh, hopefully, I didn't ramble too much and you got the gist of what I said. No, I hear you. I think I agree that you could get – well, partially agree. I think you could get 80 90% of a lot of the things he does, but he's just like such a unique player, in my opinion, that I don't think you could actually get 90% of all the things he does. Like, yeah. he, he can make four threes in a quarter. Like, he, he probably will also <laughs> yeah. shoot you out of games, but, like, he has this crazy spurt ability. He can guard, you know – point guard through maybe even center like sometimes they put him on big men and and he holds up like better than half of the big men do so like i it, the skill set and he can he can do a little bit of pick and roll and and he also has like this toughness and tenacity that i mean maybe rubs some people the wrong way maybe i mean i'm sure a lot of his teammates love it right like someone who can jack up the energy and someone who is just gonna frustrate the opposing team for like 36 minutes that he's out there so I do think he has a lot of like intangibles that are hard to replicate. But as far as just like a scrappy wing defender who's mediocre at threes, like yeah, I think you can find that. It's just like I think he's a little bit different than that. So it's debatable how debatable how much that actually how much value that actually holds. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess is where I would just push just like counter a little bit. Like, do you think he actually has a lot of trade value to get? Because that's what I struggle with is yeah. could they actually cash him in for one season? I mean, under your assumption, they would like the, the team receiving him would extend him. So that changes it. Well, it's just like on the table, I guess I was just adding that. What do you mean? I was just saying like, that is like the potential to extend them. Oh yeah. yeah. So it, yeah, he's expiring, but there is, and I feel like that is a pretty workable number if you gave him his max extension. So um, I feel like that actually being overpaid, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a you there is potential to extend him if you trade for him. Yeah, but then I guess he has to go to a city or a team that he like 
feels good about, right? Like if you send him yeah. to somewhere he just doesn't want to be, then yeah, that sucks for like the team getting him. So it is a little bit case by case dependent, but I don't know. With only one year and 14 million left, like I think it's still a good to great deal for 2021-22. But yeah, if you're extending him yeah. at 17 million, which I think is what his max was started at about for like three or four years, then that gets a little bit ugly. So I don't know. He's a super divisive player. Like like sure, I would I would try to find a team for him, and I did a little bit, but just kind of for the reasons I mentioned, like he is kind of like a Swiss Army knife, and then he does all these little different things, like either well or very well, if it's on the defensive end, so probably not someone I'm trying to get rid of, but I definitely can see the merit in moving him, like, yeah, he has one year left, something probably has to change with this team, I mean, they're already making wholesale changes in the front office, you have to imagine some player personnel change is going to come as well, so... Like, I don't think it's foolish by any means, but it just wasn't my attempts to move him. We're not too hard. Yeah, and to answer what you're saying about, like, what, like if he actually has, like, that high of trade value. One thing I was thinking, I mean, he's kind of like those wing defenders who go for one to two first, depending on how good they actually are. But the counter is they usually have, a, they're usually at least under contract for two years. But there, depend. It's like the eye of the beholder thing. If you think Marcus Smart is actually a good bit better than some of those guys, like I'm sure there's people out there who think Marcus Smart is better than Robert Covington, um, who's been traded a million times for two firsts, the Robert Covington package. But um, yeah, so I, I think there's enough like analogs to where you can kind of maybe I mean that you might be able to like pump up the value a little bit or just find someone who has them valued a little higher in. I think another thing, too, is with free agency not being too exciting this year, maybe one of these cap space teams wants to trade for him and they're willing to actually give something up, or not even a cap space team, I guess, just any of these teams. Like um, His number is pretty easy to get to for a trade, so teams who might not be able to make a splash in free agency, uh, they might be willing to go for smart. It's a team that feels they might need like a fourth or fifth best player away from really taking that step forward. Yeah, no, he definitely ha- would have high value for certain teams. Like it would probably be, have, it, ha- it would probably have to be a team that thought they were pretty close to winning, right? Like a rebuilding yeah. team doesn't really make sense for Marcus Smart, especially given his uh, one year left. But even even if he was a little bit longer, I don't think it's something like a rebuilding team would be overly interested in. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes, yeah, so that was that's basically my thoughts on uh, Kimba and Smart, and then. Lightly touched on Fournier. Uh, just for all the reasons I talked about earlier, I think it, they should try and keep Fournier. And he's still relatively young. Like he fits in. It's not like he's like 32 or something. Like you, he might be. You might have to slightly overpay him, but that's probably a tradable contract. And he'll definitely help you in the regular season, and could potentially help you in the playoffs still. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about that now because he's like literally the worst defender in the league in that net series. But what are you gonna do? It's the Nets. Um, right. Facing yeah, three lead, lead ISO scorers. Yeah, but it, it it is wild like how much they targeted him out of like everyone. Like I think Harden probably shot ninety percent at least against uh, Fournier. But yeah, that's a that's obviously an um, outlier going against arguably like the best offense of all time. So I yeah. I think you should you might 
keeping Fournier though might come at the cost of some other asset to move Tristan Thompson in space or um, yeah, I mean that's probably you're probably end up having to pay someone to take on Thompson regardless, just because they're already at the tax line before you can pay Fournier anything. And maybe you find someone to trade smart to and who has cap space and you just get picks. I don't know, but you're likely going to have to move off Thompson to sign Fournier. Um, but yeah, I definitely think they could use the skill set that he brings to the table. And like I said, he's still relatively young, so I'm I'm all for keeping him. Yeah, I would agree, especially in a vacuum, because I mean they can't replace him, right? But it does, like yeah. you said, come at a little bit of a cost. I think it would almost certainly be Smart or Thompson, so I think you're right in that regard. Um, they also could just sign him and then figure out what trade they want to make later. Like you don't have to be yeah. under the tax to start the season. Like I mean they would be very much over because like what do you think the ballpark for Fournier is like 16 million? I think it might be lower. I mean, lower? he he was hurt. I mean, I know he had co- some of his absences were COVID related, but I, I feel like there was at least an injury or two worked into there. Uh, like going back to the Magic days too. But yeah, just weird year. Got destroyed in the playoffs. Um, got exposed in the playoffs. I feel like it might be a little lower, but still like above mid level. Maybe if you go takes, years on him, too, you can keep it a little lower. Yeah. It just takes one team, right? I mean, Dallas, then yeah, the Spurs. But you might be right. It might be more like you can maybe start him at, like, 13 and be something like, you know, three for 47. I don't know, something in that range. Yeah, and I think, too, just looking at – I remember, like, we made this comparison, too, just, like, comparing him to uh, Bogdanovich last summer. Um I, I mean, I think Bogey's just a lot better at this point. So, uh, and he he's at what like he's under 20 million a year, probably around the 17, 18, 19 range. So, Bogdanovich is looking a good bit better in my opinion. So, I think Fournier's kind of topping out around like 15 or so. But like you said, it only takes one, and a lot of teams can talk themselves into just a couple million a year overpay if that means actually getting the player. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah. Yeah, it's really hard because like if you, you already have Brown and Tatum, right? And Kemba, do you want to go like three years, fifteen million or something? It it gets dicey, but yeah, I'm definitely with you. I'll try to bring him back. And I mean, you think you could give Thompson to the Thunder for like two seconds, don't you think? Like he wouldn't take a first. Yeah. Nine, one year, nine million, no way. <laughs> yeah, and then they'd let him start and then trade him for another second at the deadline. Yeah, yeah that's true. So I think that's definitely feasible for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, the only other like kind of general point I haven't, I guess, actually said yet. We've basically been beating around the bush. Is just saying like, I think it's a good chance to reset around Tatum and Brown. So if that means trying to get off Kemba, and if you can get neutral assets or just like expirings, I mean that's that's good. Maybe like I've been talking about trading smart to reshuffle the deck. Um, just kind of a good chance to just. Ev- just kind of take a deep breath, look at what you've got going forward. You still have two two-way all-star wings, um, like super young. Still have avenues to improve the team. Marcus Smart could give you some sort of future assets. Or Kimba, maybe you just are able to get off that money. Fournier, maybe he helps you now, and then you trade him later or something. Got a lot of interesting young guys, too. So basically, I think it's just a good chance to take a step back and kind of reset. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't even know how much of a reset it really would be with Tim and Brown are kind of the focal points already, but yeah, like I think it's pretty well known that those guys, those guys are their future. It's just like, how are you going to try to optimize that? Right. Like maybe it doesn't include smart. Maybe it doesn't include Walker, but um, like, do you think it actually makes sense? Like if, if they move some of the like smart, even for like a first round pick, like, I mean, when's that first round pick going to hit like when, when Tatum is uh, has his player option looming, and now you're worried about a piece thing, so it's a delicate balance. Even like those guys are yeah. so young, but now in today's NBA, like you don't really roadmap for six years, right? You do it for like one to three, one to four. Yeah, basically. So definitely gets tricky. But uh, do you have? Do you want to move on to more specific? Yeah, I'm down to talk some that? some fake trades. Alright. Our favorite part people, of the I was gonna say the people's favorite segment. Yes. It's do, gonna you have be fun some, to, do you have some terrible ones for us? Yeah, it's gonna be fun to light up NBA Twitter again. It's been a while since we've posted some trades and had both sides somehow hate it, so I'm excited. And like I was talking about, my kind of direction for the team was all involved was uh, started with trading Marcus Smart. I have a ton of Marcus Smart trades, so all right, how about you kick it off then? Because I right. do not have a ton of Marcus Smart trades. You don't have a ton of them? No. Wow, okay. Let's see. Which one do I want to start with? Um, We can start. Let's start with some of these teams that are still playing right now. So it's, it's weird. Like some of these probably my value, my value is going to be all over the place and then like, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Um, so what about to the Clippers for Zubach and Terrence Mann? Does someone need to add value there? Do the Clippers need to add value? Yeah, I want more if I'm the Celtics. You want more? Okay. What is you think there's anything else the Clippers can do? That's because that's one of my. How do you? I guess it depends on how you value Zubach and then Terrence Mann, honestly too. Like, and I'm someone who's pretty high. Well. I mean, I think most people have come around and Terrence Mann with how he's playing in the playoffs this year, but I kind of to get pretty high on him this regular season. Um, maybe this is me just kind of overreacting to everyone being high on him and trying to be <laughs> higher than everyone else. <laughs> but yeah, but like he even played like nine minutes in one of the playoff games recently. Like it doesn't seem. He like... put, I think he played. I think he played one in one. <laughs> I think it's what it was like one minute and nine minutes have been like his in the Jazz series so far. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, so for me, I, I, Zubach, I think, is not that much of an upgrade on what's already. Yeah, been. and he's kind of, his values probably went down in this playoffs. And, uh, right, yeah, he and, sometimes is yeah. even on the court. So, uh, And the Clippers don't have anything, right? They literally can't trade a first round pick, I'm pretty sure. Well, they should be at the trade 28 now, right? Um, Is it only after the draft? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we're assuming this is offseason. I know they're still playing, so. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Man, yeah. yeah, but I mean, 2028, 20, like, holy crap. <laughs> and it has to be, either it has to be unprotected or automatically be a second, right? Because you can't yeah. push an can't obligation it, to yeah. eight years, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what 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 is your idea behind it, just the Clippers going for it now and getting even more defense? I mean, he's kind of like Patrick Beverly, only way better at everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just kind of upgrading. But, well, Beverly's... Uh, 
I mean, statistically, definitely a better shooter and yeah. arguably a better fit. But Marcus Smart would either be the exact personality they need, or he would just be oh, that. <laughs> he would just stir the pot up just enough where everyone just loses their minds. Um, especially if they kept like m- most of their Morris. main guys. But yeah, well, the Marcuses were the ones who almost turned Boston around. Um, one of their finals years, Eastern Conference finals years. And I think one of the and then one of the other years they were leading the charge of the vets versus the young guys. I might be completely wrong on that, so don't come at me, boss. People, that's just how I feel like I remember it, but I don't know. Um, this tag team in again. Yeah, yeah, that was just I don't know something that's kind of interesting because Boston. I don't know how much you can trust someone we haven't mentioned yet, Robert Williams, health at the center. I mean, well, I, you can't trust it actually. I mean, and like if you could trust it, is he good enough to be a starting center? I mean, I don't think I know that yet. And is Zubac good enough to be a starting center? Yeah, but in the playoffs, I mean, he, he's going to top out at like the 15th best stop starting center anyway. So uh, not not a high ceiling with that, but he is on, on a really good contract and starting level player, really young. And then, man, I just think that's kind of the slap. We've, I remember you talked about it last year, and we've echoed it a lot, just how much Boston needs someone who just gets to the rim. And I kind of always talk about how – Talk about a lot of times already today how they need someone who puts pressure on the defense, stresses them out a little bit, and I mean that's what Terrence Mann does. He gets it, he gets a rebound, he grabs and goes, or someone else gets a rebound, he leaks out, tries to get it, one two dribbles, get to the basket. Um, he's a big attack to closeout type of guy, and I, his shot's gotten a little better over the years too. So just all all around good hustle, smart, athletic player. So I think it's kind of well, you're probably. Go in and if if you call Marcus Smart a dollar, you're probably getting like 80 cents back, but two 40 cent pieces. I don't know. It's two guys I think I'd like on Boston in general. Yeah, I mean you talked me into it a little bit. I think Robert Williams, even with all his inconsistencies, I would rather just have his sort of like ceiling play outside of, or rather than Zubac. But I mean, I, you obviously have both of them in this scenario, especially yeah, if you're doubling Justin Thompson. Yeah, and just. Like I said, like I don't have like a deep deep scouting report on Williams. I don't know what his ceiling is and how much he can play in the playoffs and all that. But I do know that he's hurt all the time, and yeah. you're just kidding. And in general, like now you have 48 minutes of really good center play if they're both healthy. One of them might have to play a little less, but in general, uh, sets you up pretty well. Yeah, I mean I don't mind it. I just I think. I, that Boston would want a little bit more. Uh, and I think name value might shock a little. Yeah. Uh, shock some people when you just say that trade, but I think you're probably right. Like 80, it's only maybe only like 80 cents on the dollar ish. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good deal is if you're set on uh, trading him and like the value kind of isn't what you think it is, then you're probably better off holding, holding on to the deadline anyway. But because sometimes when teams get desperate, you'll get more than, but yeah, now I, now I sit, make that point uh, countering myself. Now that I make that point, I'm kind of thinking if that's the best offer, you probably are better off waiting to the deadline. Because that – I don't want to call that the floor, but that probably is pretty close to what the floor of what an offer would be. And you're better off probably just hoping the team gets desperate and does something like that plus two first at the deadline. Yeah. Um, so how many Marcus Smart trades do you have written down? I mean, I have like two or maybe three. Okay, I can I want to. I'm gonna look through mine. I feel like 
there's definitely some overlap between what we have. So let me scroll through mine and see if I can guess one of yours. Um, I kind of doubt there will be, but go ahead. Give me, give me a comp, which conference, East or West? West. Okay. Playoffs or no playoffs? Playoffs. Is it Denver? Uh, so, I mean, I looked hard at Denver, but I, I couldn't find anything great. Um, okay, yeah, just go I ahead they, and go they all, then. They, the, the problem with Denver is they, like, have no picks, right, after they traded two yeah. picks for Aaron Gordon. But I think I think that would be perfect, like, um, yeah. next to Jamal Murray. I mean, or Murray's going to be there next year. But um, I don't know, the team I had was Portland. I think Portland will probably shake it up more than that. But, I mean, their defense was absolutely dreadful against the Nuggets. They were um, just getting gashed left and right by not even Nuggets starters. Like, their Nuggets guards are injured. And I think Smart would be great. Like, <laughs> Smart and Covington, now you can start to talk yourself into having somewhat of a defense. And maybe you get, like, a center that isn't terrible as well, like off the scrap heat that plays like 15 to 20 minutes a game. But, yeah, I mean, the offer would be like maybe Derek Jones Jr. in a first-round pick. If Jones Jr. If, have to opt yeah. in because he has a player option. Because um, outside yeah. of him, they don't have much salary to give. Um, maybe a trade like Zach, Zach Collins or something. But Portland doesn't have many picks either. Uh, don't they just owe... I think they well, I guess one's this, this draft, so there'd be one more yeah. at least, because they gave it two for Covington. But one was last year's draft already, wasn't it? I thought it was like 21 and 23. You might be right. I'll have to put the research in it. But regardless, they yeah. could give a first. If it's too yeah, distant, yeah, it, it, maybe exactly. I have to throw in a second to convince Boston. That's, I don't know. Would that be assuming they let Norm Powell walk? Because now you're looking at four guards who are all six four and under. Well, but then so or, think, or trade CJ. I mean, I kind of think one of those guards will be traded. Yeah, right? true. You, yeah, you probably assume basically. one of them. Yeah, at least. That's pretty interesting because Smart and Powell as your like wing defenders, you can definitely live with that. Um, there's probably not going to be a night where you're like crazy overmatched. Like once you get in the playoffs, there's definitely going to be some issues. But you can push um, Powell or Smart to the three, also, don't you think? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like th- that's your two and three. Like you're definitely serviceable. Like at the minimum, like every night, there's never going to be like a crazy mismatch because Powell's more than capable of taking like the second best wing guy, and Smarts can play up when you need to, or you could bring, you can stagger the minutes to where you get coming or whoever their three is, I guess, their other big wing defender. And so I would like the theory of that lineup, just kind of your closing lineup would be, I guess, um, like Dame, Powell, Smart, Covington, and whatever center you have, if it's Nurkic or if it's someone else. Definitely there's plenty of spacing there. Got enough secondary creation and Smart. Powell's really good at attacking closeouts. Covington's just going to space it. Yeah, I mean, I really like that in general. I'm trying to think the return for Boston. I think that's solid value. They, they can trade the 23. It, it was last year's pick and this year's pick because it was oh, the okay, Isaiah gotcha. Stewart 16 that eventually went to Detroit, but it went through Houston. It's all confusing. But, yeah, there's actually 2020 yeah. and 2021. So they can trade 2023, which is not too far away, obviously. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about the return for Boston. That's – 
It's interesting. Um, does Derek Jones Jr. 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 suck kinda, up? Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe he <laughs> he was just basically for salary. But, I mean, it's only one year. so And, and he does make $5 million less than Smart. So, I mean, yeah, that's, it helps you shave right. off the tax your tax concerns. I think I'm pushing for a little more. If that's like a second or a Nazir little or something, but yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day you probably find something better if you decide to actually move him. But that's value-wise, I think that's right in line, especially if you think Jones Jr. can actually do something for you. Um, do you want to hear my Denver one though that I came up with? Yeah, let's hear it. So this one, let me reread it once one time real quick. Is it Aaron Gordon so th- in it? No, I, I was thinking about it. It's like Aaron Gordon from Marcus Smart straight up. Um, <laughs> but, nah, I don't have too much any interest in Aaron Gordon for the Celtics. But for so for Denver, I had Will Barton and a first. And maybe if Boston views that as any sort of value, throw a bowl ball in there. I mean, I don't know. But for Smart and Tristan Thompson. So part of the value here is that Boston's getting off both uh, both of them, like just adding Thompson to the mix. And Barton gives you a little bit more um, getting to the basket and can at least run a pick and roll, probably replicating – definitely not replicating uh, Smart's defense, but Barton can, in a world where he's healthy, be a better offensive player, um, a very similar contract. But overall, probably not the same quality player. And has had more injury issues and stuff. So he's more of a negative. So that's kind of the reason for them having to add more value. But, yeah, can, what do you think of that? Can Denver take on that much more? Because that's like 24 to $15 million, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think I might have – I was just ballparking it. They might have to – Yeah, they like might have to, probably have to make some, a... yeah, some sort of – form of adjustments there but what do you think of just the value of what i said yeah i mean the framework i i think it's good i think will barton i mean are you still bringing back fournier if you're getting barton they seem like similar players to me yeah they, they are they do seem pretty similar um i still should probably try especially if i if kimba ends up going in something else or if not maybe you just let fournier walk i don't know yeah so you said did you say Barton and a first and maybe one of the rookie type players? Yeah. And then for no Thompson. And a first, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you definitely get some value from getting off shirts of Thompson. This is why all these things have to be connected, though, right? Because, like, what are you now doing with the fact that you've opened up a little bit more space? Like, maybe you have room to bring back Fournier and say under the tax, then I think it'd be more viable. But then, like I kind of mentioned, it's kind of duplicative a little bit. But it's better than losing the asset for, for nothing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I guess I'm not that excited by Will Barton in general, but I don't dislike it. Yeah, and but it, that deal never happens, though really because Denver's not taking on that much more money and put themselves in a position where there's another person to pay in that uh, same year where uh, I think it's what 22, 23 when everyone's getting paid for them or everyone will be paid by then between like MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Jokic's Rays. But I mean, smart for Barton. I mean, that's like the same salary slot and yeah. Gone. 
Well, yeah, I'm assuming Smart's going to make more on his next contract than uh, Barton. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, yeah, it, in general, this deal would probably push – that's probably – Thompson's probably all luxury tax dollars for Denver, too. So I don't think they're paying $25 million or however much it would end up being to take on Thompson. So I don't think that happens, but I think Smart on Denver – Especially with Murray not playing next year. But yeah, yeah, and just Denver, the fact they've given up so many picks, too. Yeah, but no, I, Denver wasn't the first teams I looked at, but I I didn't see a ton that made sense to me. All right, hit me with another one. All right, another one. This is another one from Celtics Lab. He mentioned Smart to Dallas, which I, I really that. like for Dallas. Um, I The return gets dicey because Dallas has so many picks to the Knicks for the Porzingis deal, but I, I guess it would I mean, have to be like Dwight Powell and then picks which is definitely underwhelming for sure. I mean, if Josh Richardson opted in, which he might, do you think he might? 11? Like I 11, have no idea at this point. I feel like he might opt out because he maybe can believe he'll get worst case mid-level exception, but I don't know. I mean, I have no idea because it's just so weird, his kind of arc the last few years. Yeah, he got like benched, and for a while he was like such a valued deal, but now he like is barely playing. And But he might opt out only because he – his future value would tank even further if he played like 17 minutes a game or whatever. So yeah. maybe not, but, it, but I mean, if he opted in and he knew that he was going to Boston, maybe that would be something he would prefer. So, I mean, I mean, what do you think if he did opt in like Richardson in a first for smart? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's spot on just because kind of like the same reason you had to attach value to him to get Seth Curry. It's just, you kind of, it's just a little too much of a question mark, even though it's similar player types and, you can argue maybe two years ago he was the better player in his like uh, last Miami year, but I mean just injuries and just not looking good for now two years in a row. You definitely do have to attach value to turn him into smart. So in Boston you save a little bit of money, you get a flyer on if he can rejuvenate any of his value or just ability. So yeah, I mean I like that for Boston. And you get a, I mean there's a world where you he. Like it's a good player again, and you get a first out of it, and you can sign him to a somewhat reasonable deal. So definitely like that. And the thing is for Dallas, though, this is something now. I think we're kind of three guys in this somewhat player type um, next to Luca. Because like in theory, it kind of sounds like it should work getting a good defender next to Luca and the slasher type. But now looking at Delon Wright. Dennis Smith Jr. and Josh Richardson, obviously we're not talking about all-stars here, but I mean, and Smart would probably be the best out of all those guys' versions of what they were next to Luca. But I mean, those guys, all three of them have really struggled next to Luca. So I'm just wondering how interested Dallas would be for getting to give up some value to uh, go from Richardson to Smart. Yeah. I mean, I think Smart is the best of those guys, but yeah. I definitely, I definitely feel the concern. Um, yeah, that's something I haven't like studied or have any like actual thoughts on. Kind of just a pattern, I guess. And like I said, Smart is the best out of them, so it is different. But it's just kind of, I guess, something you'd want to look into as Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, and then outside of that, I don't really see a great way. Like if it's not Powell or Richardson, I mean, I don't think Dallas is going to give up Kleber, although. Injuries this year, and he wasn't that great in the playoffs. I mean, maybe they'd be more open to it, but I don't know if he does Boston. Like, I don't think they're doing backflips in Boston to, to get yeah. him smart. I mean, maybe you don't, they don't really need 
like a ceiling raiser type like Kleber. Um, so I had a smart deal to Dallas. It's very different. Okay, let's hear it. Um, so smart and Tristan Thompson for Porzingis and maybe picks. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I guess so adding in Thompson, that's obviously makes it smart less valuable essentially because um, it's a very big negative asset. But who knows the type of value Porzingis still has? But Boston has always been like super interested in him, and I mean I might would be. Do you think straight up that's somewhat close, or do you think Dallas? I think is Porzingis too much of a lost cause, and he's got to you got to throw some more value on that for Boston. Oh wow! Try, so, like, try, I, try, I, try, I, one sec, trying to evaluate it in like a vacuum, not like okay, well we're also paying Kemba this money and stuff too. Like, what do you think of that trade? Because like like I saying, I think so many of these decisions are connected. So I'm, maybe we've already done something with Kemba or whatever, but this I, just look at the deal in a vacuum first. Uh, I mean, I think that Boston would have to add something to that. Really? Huh. That's expiring. Like that, that, expiring Marcus Smart and Tristan Thompson. Well, I'm not like saying you're wrong. I'm just saying like <laughs> that seems like completely different than what the consensus on uh, Porzingis' trade value is. But I, I mean, I might. It seems like everyone's like hating on him about this season, and it, I mean, in reality, he was just hurt all year. But yes, he's been hurt a lot, and he's a seven-three big, so that's not like random. And there's maybe a chance he's never good again, like a never like a like borderline all-star level player again, or even like good starter level player. But I mean, if he's healthy, he's that borderline all-star level player. So I kind of probably would lean on your side, but. I'm just honestly kind of shocked you said that because I feel like people are so low on his value now. Well, so, I mean, do you think they could trade Porzingis for nothing to, like, OKC or the Knicks? They for sure could, don't you think? Because he's a net positive is what I'm trying to get at. Like, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, well... I could be wrong then. Like, for, to me, if I'm Dallas, I don't know why I would do that. Like, one year Marcus Smart, sure, maybe we could extend him. And then Tristan Thompson, who we don't even want anyway. I mean, maybe he's okay for that season. But, like, I don't know. Even just the salary slot. Like, I have a different Porzingis trade that involves the other Boston Garden, which I, I think so has I. been popular on the internet. But, I don't know. I mean, maybe both teams just don't like that one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, maybe... The way Dallas, to counter what you're saying, just kind of, I don't really know exactly how I feel, but I guess Dallas's counter to that might be, okay, well, let's look at it, not this next season, but the season after that. Assume things went well with Smart and you resigned them at just 16 million a year or something like that, and Thompson's gone. If Is paying Marcus Smart, like, would you rather have Smart at 16 million? And if you resign him, you're just, let's just assume things are going well and he's kind of just on a normal career path, like no injuries, just no random regression. It's just kind of borderline the like, same player for next few years. Or would you rather be risking that Porzingis can even play and like be a good player at 35 million for a similar amount of years? Like, I, it might just be kind of like a calculated risk type thing where maybe you just, too scared to 
keep him on roster at that high of amount that you're willing to take someone who's just the role player, borderline starter type. I don't know. I, I guess that's just like one school of thought for Dallas. No, that's a good thing to bring up because then all of a sudden your window for free agency does not close this summer, right? Like then yeah, exactly. It's still yeah. open in 22, 23, and 23, 24. <laughs> this is a really hard call because I, I, mean, know, I think like 18 for, months I, ago. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I think that, like, you're still, Smart's still a good player. Like, if you can just assume things go steady, which isn't, you can't just assume that. But, like, if, for the sake of the argument, I mean, that might be enough for me to just be like, okay, I'm fine with just eliminating my risk with Porzingis and just taking a good player going forward. Yeah. I mean, the more you talk about it, I think you actually might be right. Like, Luca is so good that you're going to be good regardless. And Porzingis. Yeah. Porzingis is just a massive risk. Whereas if you could just open that slot back up for the problem is you're out those picks, like open up the spot as well. I was going to say for, you know, creativity, like trades later, signing free agents later, like maneuvering later. Whereas, I mean, he has a $36 million player option in 23, 24. And I'm just going to go ahead and assume he's going to pick up right now. And that's just so bad. So he has like, he has, yeah, well, I mean, he has three years, um, 100 million left as of right now. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this has me in knots, but that's why I was more fair to do it for Kemba because both of those are much yeah. more money, both much less of a risk, I think. But or both just risk in the in their like in their own right. Yeah, yeah. more yeah, more equivalent <laughs> risk, I should say. Yeah. But but yeah, more I talk about. It, I mean, maybe I'm fine doing that. If, if I'm Dallas, but oh, that feels just gross to make that change. I mean, Boston, you're fine. Are you fine with that, Boston? Like, like I said, in a vacuum, it's different because you're probably not doing that if you still have Kemba on roster. Maybe if you did some sort of Kemba deal where you took back a good bit less money, or you have all expiring, then you're okay to do it. Or if you just decide to let Fournier walk, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you let Fournier walk, that like extra 15 million that he would sign for on top of Smart. Thompson, like in this in that scenario, yeah, letting Fortnier walk and just start in putting Porzingis' salary on there, you're probably actually a little cheaper than same roster and re-signing Fournier. So I guess maybe there's still scenarios you can do it with Kimba on roster. I mean, it's really close, but I will say this. Oh, oh yeah, with oh yeah, no, you're right. It'd be yeah, it'd be close. It'd be a little bit cheaper, but it does kind of go against your idea of recentering around Brown and Tatum, adding a. Thirty yeah. million dollar person into the into the fold. Well, I, I mean, kind of that's still the same thing. Just it's that's still like just making your Brown and Tatum are still what you want to build around. It's just changing the pieces around them. So yeah, but it kills all that, that flexibility going forward, right? Yeah, true, true. That uh, that would just I'm just thinking about what his spacing could potentially like unlock for like Jalen Brown getting to the basket or just making it harder to send doubles at Tatum and stuff. And, and if he get his mobility back, you finally get Boston like an elite rim protecting defense center instead of a someone who's like Tice has always just been super good and basically you gotten the most out of him and by being smart and stuff like that. But like you're actually giving the, well it's not Brad Stevens anymore, but you're actually giving them the defensive the the elite defensive center. I wonder what the ceiling on defense would be then too. Yeah, and that's a really interesting one. We have to put that one on Twitter. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, 
So this one is pretty simple, and I mean, it might just work straight up as a challenge trade. What about uh, Smart for Miles Turner? Honestly, this was one I was thinking you might have, too. Oh, I don't, but... Yeah, I mean, if I'm Boston, I like that. Well, clearly Boston doesn't like Miles Turner, but... Well, yeah, sorry, but they have a new GM now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, I was kidding. Um, the only thing, the issue with this one is just that gives Indiana another person who just kind of needs the ball, but not great with the ball. It's It does help kind of shift some of their other position, like, uh, logs, but... Yeah, now they got Brogdon, Lavert, Warren, Sabonis, Smart, Warren. Like that's just no passing. I mean, Brogdon, Sabonis, good passers, but Warren, and, Smart. I mean, the Pacers. I mean, I keep bringing this up, but Smart is expiring. Is he gonna stay in Indiana? Like, I don't know if the Pacers would be interested yeah. in Smart so much. Yeah, this would definitely have to be like a sub- subsequent move for Indiana if they did like some other. They they really shook things up in a different way and. Yeah, and you're right, smart. Is he going to stay in Indiana? Probably not. But maybe like last year in a vacuum, just the value. But it's interesting. But, yeah, probably never happening. Do you have any others? So a few um, more. For smart? Yeah. I was, trying to, I was trying to figure out, like, I think that the Pelicans would be a fan of his services. Um, yeah. Just that they had, you know, defenders last year at all and I mean they have a bunch of guards but they kind of are all strictly point guards I mean maybe Josh Hart kind of has some overlap with being at least like a 3 and D type but I don't know and he, he's not I mean, smart is somewhat young in that range when you have to me when you have Ingram and Zion like you need to flood other defenders around them especially when smart can guard up so I don't know I, I was trying to figure out a way to get Lonzo for smart but that would in that scenario we probably would be dumping Kemba on somewhere else maybe like to the Knicks yeah. so a little three way carousel of deals there but you don't have to touch too much on that I just that was another team yes. I thought could get in this that's race. interesting yeah um let's see what other ones do I have oh my computer's freezing probably got too many trades on here <laughs> um so here's one what about now? What makes this one tough is trading with a rival, but with Boston, maybe maybe if they don't view Boston as quite as much of a threat, they would make it happen. But it's also it would have to be a sign-in trade, so maybe they wouldn't be willing to facilitate. I don't know. But um, what if the Nets sign-in traded Dinwiddie for Smart, and Nets would include a pick since. Uh, Dinwiddie's got all the injury issues, so they can trade their 28 pick, which I'm wondering if they strategic if that was like a part of the reason they wanted to do three picks, four swaps instead of well, I mean I guess that's just better in general, so that's probably why they want to do it. But they did leave themselves the chance to trade their first at uh, this draft, so they could trade 20 or a first, they could trade the 28 first, and I'm thinking you sign and trade Dinwiddie somewhere around Smart's money. I mean, I really like Dinwiddie on Boston. You kind of let him rehab a little bit while you're not on quite as much of a rush to get better. And if he's if everyone's clicking and he comes back healthy and can really help you, then I really like his slashing. Just a, another tall, good defender out there too, and I think he could really help bring the best out of Tatum and Brown. 
and kind of be that guy who puts a little stress on the defense, but also make the, the team's defense better. So, yeah, I really like Dinwiddie there. And Smart, I mean, but Nets might end up winning all this year, but they don't want to sit tight. I mean, I think Smart would really help them. Uh, yeah, I think that's your best one yet. I I like that from both teams. And, I mean, the 2028 pick is a little bit goofy, just <laughs> seeing it on paper. And, like, is that unprotected then? Just because we... Yeah, it's got to be, right? Yeah. Or, or, it or, just has to or turn into a second. Into a second. Immediately, yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe it'd be, like, top three protected or something. But, no, I I think I like that from both sides. Dinwiddie is not the youngest guy, but he's not... Like way out of the Celtics core range, I think he's 28, which is only a yeah. year old and smart. And kind of, kind of like with Fournier, we haven't. I don't think we've said this yet, but we've talked, kind of talked about it a bit. Like the Celtics can very easily be playing for now. Like they don't have to be like, oh, we have our best players 22 and 23. Like we're playing for the future. Like they clearly, like these guys are good. Like they're Eastern, three out of four Eastern Conference Finals for this year. So, and like that's kind of one thing I've been saying. Like guys trying to get at in the beginning too. Like if I do some form of smart trade, like I'm kind of still open to keeping Kimba. Like we can still, if I believe Kimba can get healthy, like I can still make another like second, third round run in the Eastern uh, playoffs. So like you don't have to like be like, oh, we're playing for the future. Like, it's perfectly fine taking on someone a little older. Yeah. The only, only issue with that one is that anyway has to choose to go to Boston, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. He might have better destinations or more money because I think – to make it work with smart, it could only be starting at like 17 and a half ish million. So for Boston to take in like 1.25, uh, 125%. So yeah, you think a deal starting at 17 and change would get Dinwiddie? I mean, maybe if it's yeah. four years. I think so. Yeah. Dinwiddie is going to be, his fridge is going to be really interesting. Like he's the type of guy who just do something completely random that no one sees coming. Um, but yeah, I mean that, especially factoring in his injury history and just missing the season. That definitely feels like enough to, and it has to be at least three years with the signing trade anyway. So that definitely feels like enough. So you have to go at least three years. Yeah. I thought Nate Duncan was trying to say that he was going to start at 20 million or something, but I, I think that's what he was saying. If he hadn't got hurt. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It all depends on how his recovery is coming, but yeah, I like that one. Yep. Um, let's see. Here's a quick one. What about James Wiseman for Marcus Smart? You might have to throw in a minimum contract to make that work, but that's the idea of it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's all your opinion on a uh, Wiseman, and that's it. Comes down to Boston's opinion on Wiseman, and uh, after Golden State does their due diligence, they don't think they can get any better with Wiseman. If I'm Golden State. And I really thought Clay Thompson could be back to 80-90%, and I cared about Curry's legacy and Curry just keeping him happy and actually winning a title. I mean, I would do that for sure. But I don't know that they have shown any willingness to, like, push all in because they kept their pick last year and didn't trade it. I mean, I guess yeah. they paid, like, some ridiculous like $80 million for Kelly Oubre last year. Well, not salary, True. but, like, including the tax. So Luxury maybe they are, are all in on it, but... Yeah, I like that as Warriors because I'm pretty lowish on Wiseman. And Boston, I mean, yeah, it's like a Flyers number two overall pick, right? That's on a rookie deal. Yeah, Boston is all like, if you think Wiseman's good, you probably do it. But um, it's that's definitely more interesting from Golden State's point of view because you got to 
and that's, that's the best thing you can get for a wise man. And um, if you think smart, we'll actually take you to the championship level and all that. But yeah, I like that one. Uh, let's see, I have a couple more. Do you have any more? Uh, that is all the ones I have for smart. Okay, let's see. One that could probably end up, I got two that could end up going like a million different ways, but like the idea of it's probably the same. Um, so I'll start with Memphis. When, I remember we did the the Bradley Beal the Bradley Beal negotiations. I was Memphis, and I just wasn't willing to throw that much on the table because I didn't see the reason for them to like try and get a superstar. Because let's say they had Bradley Beal this year, maybe they push the Jazz to six or seven, or they're playing in like a they're the seven seed instead of like a play in or a six seed instead of like a play in. So I just didn't see the reason to throw in to throw in all the future assets to probably get marginally better now and he's briskly leaving and all that. But I do see like they have like 14 good players. So like, I think it definitely makes sense for them to try and just turn those into better starter level players. So especially if you can just do like two of them, maybe two of like your better ones for smart or like one thing who, I mean, who knows? Cause he's never on the court, but like, what if you did like Winslow and the golden state first, like, Boston was in love with Winslow back in the day, but <laughs> I mean, even if you you can look at that two ways for Boston, you can be like, okay, we're just doing this for the Golden State first, or you can say, okay, we like Winslow and we think this for even if you don't think the first is going to be good, like if you like Winslow, maybe that's enough like of a sweetener, but he's on a fat contract now, so I don't know. I mean, so I guess I just throw some of the specific options so that was one Winslow in the Golden State first and then kind of just sometimes somebody earlier just getting like 80% of him and someone else what if you just did like Melt like uh, D'Anthony Melton and then maybe one of your one other like the lower end young guys or just some form of extra light draft pick compensation that's one I really like those are both interesting to me I guess I'll just keep coming back to the same thing is you know, one year of smart for a young and upcoming Grizzlies team, like probably would want to have something worked out where you're going to keep them just because kind of back to earlier, the premise of Marcus smart is that I don't, to me, he's more on like a really top end team versus I don't yeah. know, like if this Memphis team is elite ish in like three years, I mean, smart, smart will probably still be good just because the way he plays and how defensive minded and sturdy he is. But if he's breaking down at all, kind of like you alluded to a little bit at the beginning, it makes a little bit less sense in my head for Memphis. Yeah. The only reason I was thinking Memphis was a little different is just because how deep they really are. Like they have too many guys to play, yeah. honestly. <laughs> so I was thinking yeah, maybe fair. try and cash one of them in and some light picks or some of the guys who don't really even play as much who are still somewhat interesting in a pick or whatever, some combination of like your middle guys. But I definitely think there's room to consolidate a little there. Yeah. Um, Melton in a first so, makes some sense too. Yeah, and one situation that's very similar, I think, was Atlanta, but Atlanta's a little better right now. I don't love his fit, but then – so uh, there's a few issues with Atlanta. I was, like I said, I didn't love the fit at first, but then when I thought you can center the deal around the sign-and-trade for John Collins, and you might think with Atlanta, oh, they have a million shooting cars as is. Well, Lou Williams will probably walk, and then you're looking at – Herder and Bogdanovich still, but if you're taking Collins out of the rotation, that opens up a perimeter, another perimeter spot. And, and I mean, 
Capella's a good enough center and Smart's a good enough wing defender to where you're not really losing too much, probably, especially if DeAndre Hunter out there, if you slide him down to the four. I mean, you're fine with Bogdanovich and Smart being your two, three, if you're good at the four and five. So, and John Collins, I think, could really flourish in Boston, play him as your starting four back up, and back at five, and maybe you can start him at the five, see what you can do with that. But he's someone I've always liked. See what Brad Stevens could do with. We'll see how the new coach handles it, but maybe something centered around John Collins for Marcus Smart. Yeah, I think I'm a fan of the fit for both of them. Um, yeah, I think Smart would be the perfect guy next to Trey Young. He can always take the better defender, obviously. Yeah. He can hide him wherever, especially with yeah Hunter being better this year and sliding him to the four. I think is perfectly fine, presuming that. He actually recovers from his injury that he's out for the year for now. But Atlanta's interesting to me, especially if they can retain Smart beyond 2021. Yeah. All right, last team. I feel like I've had a million of these, but what about the Lakers? What if we did, like, let's say Montrose Harrell opts in, or I don't really know who you'd consider to have more value out of Harrell, Kuzma, KCP, some of these guys, but maybe you do, like, one of those guys in a first or you center something around a sign and trade of THT and some picks, like Jack. I don't know. But is there anything there that would interest you from either side? Yeah, so I actually did look at the Lakers uh, now that you've reminded me of it. It's just I found it really hard with the teams that have, like, no picks. But, yeah, they can trade 2027 or 2028, so and props to them. 20, and 21. Oh, I get the draft. Yeah, because their uh, their obligations are 24 and 25, or I think it's 23. It's 23. Well, I know the Sorry. one pick is they could. What are you gonna say? Oh, the yeah. So they owe swap rights in 23. They owe this year. And then. But it's not gonna convey because they finished you know, 22nd. So they all they're gonna end up owing their 22. Swap in 23, and then they're 24. But the 24 is the weird one that can be deferred to 25. So it is okay, a mess. So, but they can trade this one. Yeah, they can trade 2021. Yeah, so, yeah, so they could like do this one and then a future one. So there is deals to where they can include two first. In. Yeah, as long as it's at the draft. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so my thought on the Lakers, uh, I'll let you add some thoughts on the trade I threw out, trade ideas. But one thing about the Lakers is they kind of – their situation, they'd have to do their due diligence and know, like, this is how we want to use our last really assets that we have to rebuild around LeBron and AD. So that's probably why I don't see something like that happening if you have to throw in a pick or two. But that's kind of – I do like Marcus Smart there. For sure. I'd be down to get a Smart there. He's kind of like eight years ago, Wes Matthews, only better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I'd be all You need that. someone to handle the ball. Yeah, someone can handle the ball. I mean, Dennis Schroeder might be gone if he thinks he's getting like 20 plus million, but even but if he stays, can cover some of his gaps on defense. And I mean, they won their championship built on defense, right? LeBron, yeah, Davis, exactly. and then I mean, LeBron obviously he's getting older and older, but Smart can anchor that a little bit more. Some timely shooting, even though it's erratic, but no, I would like that. And I don't think I would want to give up two firsts, but. I think one of those guys, uh, like Kuzma in a first, I mean, I don't know what Boston would really want with Kuzma, just another scorer type. Like, some people say he could play defense now, which I think probably wax that, and wanes, but... Yeah, that was weird. That started in the bubble. People just started yeah. saying he's a good defender, and I'm just like, 
what changed between his whole career in the bubble? Like, it's not like he had an offseason. It was quarantine. Like, when, where did he become a good defender? Like, I don't know. Like, I was very confused by that. But, yeah, apparently his defense reputation is a lot better now. I mean, maybe KCP in a first. Like, KCP is somewhat similar to Smart. I actually think he's a little bit better than some people give him credit for. And he has non-guarantee the year after. So you could keep him around if you want. So you have, like, another year of yeah. control than you did with Marcus Smart. Shave, like, a million dollars off your payroll, which isn't huge. But, and pick up an asset. I like that. Yeah. All right. That's all my Marcus Smart thoughts. Um, some of these teams I have other trades in mind for as well. But I'll let you kick off wherever you want to go from here, trade talk-wise. All right, that was a long time on Smart, but I want to jump to Kemba. So I looked a lot more at trading Kemba, and the one we kind of already touched on, like the Porzingis one, and we don't need to spend a ton of time on it, but would you do oh, Walker for Porzingis? You would think who needs to add assets? That, yeah, that's what I wrote down. <laughs> Kemba for KP, who needs to add assets? Who needs to add a pick? So, so I, same, I had Boston needing to, but now I might That's, be changing my mind. I think I'm leaning uh, Boston still. I just think going young to old kind of. Yeah. That's a big part of it to me. But they yeah, I mean, we're extra like 32 million. Yeah, he's on an extra 32 million though, uh, Porzingis. And his while he's young, he's clearly not health wise young. So I don't know. I mean, who needs to add assets? That's, that's the question there. <laughs> Yeah, that one's been kicked around on the internet. Do you think that one has any real realism behind it? I'd say yeah. I mean, I know Rosillo always says like how apparently everyone's been asking about how available stars are, and everyone and apparently the KP is the one who's like very available. And now these reports that it's like Boston really wants to or Kimba and Boston like mutually want to separate. So I would say it's possible. I mean, just kind of due to the fact that those situations align. I don't know if there's just any uh any like fired at the smoke but i don't know definitely possible i think yeah and you just probably have a really bad taste in your mouth if you're the mavericks right luca played like amazing like first all nba first team type caliber in the round one and you push the clippers to seven and poor thing is just basically no shows the entire series and you lose in the first round again like I, i can see them being pretty sour about that yeah and I just remembered, it, like, both teams have expressed interest in the other guys at different points. Like, Boston, I remember, was like when teams was mad that they weren't able to get on the oh, get in yeah. on the Porzingis trade. And then they've been attached to them a few times. And also uh, Dallas, like, when ev- the year when Kemba signed with Boston and, like, when everyone was free agents, that was one of the guys they were attached to. So, uh, yeah, that actually di- – different management in Boston now, obviously. But I think that adds a little more potential to it. All right, you want another one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so this one is probably highly unrealistic, but what about Kemba? This year's first, 16th overall, two more unprotected first, and then Grant Williams or Romeo Langford uh, for Damian Lillard. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I do that in a heartbeat as Boston. I mean, yeah, I'd do that in a second. I don't think I'd do it as Portland, but... Yeah. So, so He's just so mean so much to their city or whatever, right? But he, his deal right, as of right now is like four for like 160-some million, yeah. I think. 
it's insane and 170 million even and i mean it's it's would you say it's proven that they can't win with that team i mean they just got housed yes. by the nuggets who yes. are a shell of themselves so like 100% they kind of are at the end of the rope with this squad so i mean maybe maybe you have to give up four first and not three and then there's probably better deals out there but i don't know at least with this it keeps them from completely resetting i mean for those some of these teams it's important to be solid i think they I don't know. Kemba is obviously way worse than Lillard, but this is like a pipe dream for Boston. I mean, I put Jalen Brown on the table for Lillard, and then I'll just figure out the Kemba situation later. But I mean, to get, I mean, I just think he'd be so perfect for Boston, um, and obviously just such a high end talent in general. Wow. I think I put. Yeah, and like this classic thing we always get to, like, yes, if you're like probably a negative value on your contract but you're still a really good player and you're under contract for a long time. Like sometimes that's fine. Yeah. I definitely would put Jalen Brown on the table for Lillard. I mean, so Lillard, he's under contract for a long time. Yeah. He's probably not going to be worth it by the end, but I mean, it's super valuable to have, to know you're getting like five years of Damian Lillard. And I mean, he's just, I think he's so perfect for what Boston needs. And obviously the needs shift a little when you're taking Jalen Brown out of the picture and then you got to figure out what you can do with Kimba. But I mean, that's kind of like the perfect guy to pair Tatum with, right? Someone who got a guard for – I mean, the weird thing is, like, I don't know what – like, he's not the type of player who, like, kind of you pair him with something like that. Like, they're very additive. He's kind of just like a good player who needs more good talent beside him. And Jalen Brown is another guy who kind of doesn't stress out the defense like we've talked about. And, I mean, Lillard's one of the most – guys who's going to put the most stress on defense. The fact you have to cross his half court, really good pick-and-roll player – not going to be able to double either one of them if with both of them on the court together. It's just kind of like if Kimbo was a lot better. So, yeah, I mean, I would I would really consider putting uh, Jalen Brown on the table for Dame. Yeah, I, that's – I mean, you're starting to convince me the way you're saying it. It's just so many years and the dollars. It's just really hard. Um to pull that trigger because I mean do you think Dame is better do you think Dame will be better or worse in 2023 than he is right now worse I mean just because of how I think he's had like two best years of his career like I don't think you can expect him to keep getting better but I thought you were at first gonna ask if he'll be better than Jalen Brown in 2023 my answer is yeah I think he will be like I think over the life of their contracts Damon Lowe is probably still the best player and um for every single season and kind of like what you said in the beginning, like you don't really plan for five, six years. Like if you think increases your title window for three years and it's like a guaranteed you have the player under contract still, like I don't see. I mean, I think that's when you got to really think about putting Jalen Brown on the table. Yeah, uh, that's tough because, I mean, now you're now you're now your salary cap is just massive. Your payroll is just massive, right? Yeah. I mean, Dame's at 39, Jalen Brown's at 26. So you already were in the tax before this trade. I mean, I guess you're including well, Justin Thompson. Yeah, you gotta, you just gotta throw Thompson in for money. Yeah, but then him and Kemba are just like staring at each other, wondering what's going on. Both two tiny guards that uh, need the ball. I feel like you probably do this knowing you have a Kemba deal in place, or you do the Kemba deal first. But even if you don't find it, I mean, I. 
I'm willing to just let them figure it out while you look for other options for Kemba. I mean, that's, oh, well, we can work that out. It's a lot of talent put together. And just that'd be impossible to guard all three of them. Right. Uh, I, I got to think more about that one. We should put that one up on Twitter as well. But, but yeah, Lillard to Boston, I guess, we're both semi-interested what? in. It's just the, yeah. the return. Oh, I'd be very interested. Um, I kind of think about it. Maybe he actually will request out. Um, I think if he's if it, there's ever going to be time, it's now. So I guess we'll see sometime yeah. soon. But um, I, usually I feel like uh, yeah, Celtics Twitter, like that Jalen Brown is a god. Like you can't say anything bad about him. You can't put him in any trades. But I think this is one that Celtics Twitter might approve of just because of how big of a name Dame is. I don't know. That's – yeah, I will definitely have to throw it up on Twitter to see what people. For sure. All right, do you have one? Yeah, and this one actually would be a pretty good supplemental trade if you made if you traded uh, Jalen Brown for Dame. Um, so to the Clippers for basically their role players. Um, so Patrick Beverly would for sure have to be in there just for salary as a point guard that Kimba would be coming to play over anyway. So that's for sure in there. Probably want gotta have Kennard for about twelve million or so, and I'd be interested in him. Just young talent. Let's see if you can figure it out. Definitely use a knockdown shooter to play next to your guys. Um, and then I'd push for Zubac too. That might be to the point Clippers are losing. He might be too positive an asset to include in this deal. But it's like Kimba's a terrible value, but if you if you get a healthy version of him, you're still getting the best player by far, and he's probably raising your championship. But it's tough there how to evaluate that. Yeah, that's kind of what I'd ask for. I'd want Beverly, Kennard, and Zubac. You think LA interested in that swap? Maybe Boston has to throw in one of their low end. What are you thinking? So I had something with the Clippers as well, kind of stealing from you. I think your idea last time with John Wall. <laughs> With John Wall, yeah. Uh, I think I had Morris, Beverly, and somebody. But yeah, Kennard, I mean, I'd be probably even better. Probably even more prefer Kennard. Uh, yeah, I think the Clippers would just rather keep Morris, and Boston probably has no interest in him, and Boston probably prefers Kennard. So that's where I was at. Yeah, although unless Boston would rather just be ready to have cap space the following year, right? Because Morris, I mean, Morris does go off for one more year. Is Beverly At least Beverly expires, though, so it gives him some flexibility. Yeah. Um, but regardless, I think the Clippers would be interested in that. But I guess as Boston, you're just doing it just to reshuffle the deck. Like you aren't getting any picks with that, and and saving money. And if you, I mean, if like I said, Beverly expires, and I think turning Kimba into three role players anyway might be enough to help you be better, honestly. Because I mean, Kimba didn't really play much in the regular season, so just three role players and Boston was, has always kind of been short on legitimate NBA players. They've had all these flyers at the end of their bench, in the middle of their bench, but turn them into three guys, you know, who can be on the floor in the regular season you're fine with. And some of them, maybe the playoffs too, in certain situations, but that might be enough to kind of help your present. And then you uh, get off at least Beverly's money. Maybe some of that money is tradable or maybe Zubac, you get Zubac and it was just positive in general. Or maybe it's Zubac. That money is Serge Ibaka, and you just maybe hopefully can, you hope he can help you for the one season you have him under contract, and then you can either trade him, keep him, or let him walk. So there's a scenario in this where you're getting off a good bit of money, at least like 
a third of the, to two thirds of the money going forward and still make the argument that it makes you better for the present and then save some money for the future. Yeah, I like that. I like this deal in the sense that the Clippers give you players that you can use and you know, you're not just dump trading Kemba for some wretched salary, right? Like yeah. you're not just breaking them into pieces and I mean, you still have your core save you some bucks. So yeah, I think, I think it'd be definitely something to look into. Um, yeah, for sure. So you got any more Kimbo ones? Yeah. I mean, what about – it's kind of low-hanging fruit. Like, what about him for Kevin Love, just to switch things around? Well, um, you'd have to add something probably, because why would Cleveland want extra money and another point guard? But Love just fits better. He's a little bit cheaper. I think you save like $9 million over two years and gives you a stretch big. Like, you're already paying the money to Kemba anyway. Yeah. I, I'm kind of just hearing it right away. Like, I kind of hated it, but <laughs> I mean, when it just shocked me so much, I think. But once you started talking about it, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're making good points, actually. I'm trying to think about it from Cleveland, though. So you just get the asset and then hope to maybe trade them off again for value, kind of OKC style. Yeah, if you're Cleveland, or you're harder. trying to, you're trying to be good as Cleveland, right? Yeah, it maybe gives your fans something to care about. You kind of have a blah type roster. Um, maybe yeah, you pick up a some sort of draft capital. Like I don't know, Kevin Love, he's kind of had a goofy last couple of years with them. Like he's had some clashing with teammates and coaches. Like maybe you just want him out the door. Like it it doesn't. It's not something that you're probably in love with if you're the Cavs, but. Maybe you throw in like one of the Boston young guard sweeteners or or yeah, you just convince your fan base or you just convince yourself like Kemba makes us a little bit exciting. I don't know. They were decent through like twenty games last year. I think they started out somewhat hot. I mean, I don't believe in them by any means, but yeah, it might take some convincing for both teams, to be honest. Yeah. I mean once you started breaking down for Boston, like okay, saving a little money or a good bit of money, I guess. Um X too, because the just this year hit is is better. Maybe world where if both healthy, loves a better player and kind of might be more of an additive player too. And if hopefully is, is love a better player? I don't even know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe I mean there's definitely a scenario where he is, but he there's definitely a scenario where he's more additive too, just like extra spacing. Just I think he's a good passer. I don't know. Sometimes it's like. I mean, I just don't know how to judge anything he's done in the last like, two years or so, but you can trust him to make smart plays out there, and that can help. And then hopefully you have enough wing defense and you can get a good uh, – if Robert Williams can become a good defender, you find someone else to be a good center defender to make up for him. But, yeah, I can see a world where he's actually pretty additive too. But a lot of weird, random moving parts there. But, yeah, I mean, you sold me on it a little bit. <laughs> Perfect. All right, I got one quick hitter for you. How about Kemba okay. for Hayward? <laughs> oh, that's that's something. I'm just obviously joking around, but w- would you rather have Hayward or Kemba right now if you're Boston? Hayward. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hayward is playing at an all-star level. Yeah. What, all right, one more quick one. How about okay. would, you rather, would you rather have Kemba or Terry Rozier? I'd rather have Terry. 
yeah. at seventeen million dollars cheaper or whatever it is. Yeah, that's people hated that contract, but that's a good contract. Yeah, now, and that's just a rough series. Of is it even Celtics. yeah? Is it even enough to resign them on to extend them on? That's where you're, that's where Charlotte might really get in trouble if they uh, give him his max extension. But yeah, I definitely think I'd rather have Terry right now. I have one more. Um, real one. Yeah, for real one. I have one more for real one. Okay. Um. So Lakers, Sumi Option, KCP for Kemba. Now they're losing so many rotation players there, so I'm thinking Boston's got to add some of their young guys and just to even up the value. I think I don't know. I mean, so the, what I had was those three guys for Kemba and Grant Williams. I think you cut out at the beginning of the Lakers. What what is the Lakers package? Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, assuming Opson, and for Kemba and Grant Williams. This is another one where it's like it's intriguing. It, like Kemba's a terrible asset, but there's a very good chance he's the best player really helping. The best player the Lakers could actually acquire. Yeah, and just the best player in the deal, and yeah, the best player the Lakers could acquire, and he's really probably a good chance he's helping their uh, title odds. And you get to let Dennis Schroeder walk in this and not pay him twenty million, which I mean to scale might be just as bad of a contract. Yeah, it's something to consider for the Lakers, certainly. I They kind of have to pull a rabbit out of their hat to make a swing to get somebody better than Kemba. Uh, I think Schroeder, I mean, maybe you throw out the playoffs because he was coming off of whatever COVID absence, but he was pretty dreadful uh, in the playoff series, and I'm not that high yeah. on him in general anyway. So, yeah, I mean, you'd just be that would be your team, right? You're kind of throwing all your chips at Kemba being the yeah. year last piece. And KCP, that's the toughest one to lose there because Kuzma's wing regular season, he's, he's fine because the Knights, he can yeah. run some extra scoring, but in the playoffs, he's I mean, 12 to 15 minute a guy anyway, uh, a game guy anyway, so that's not bad, but Carroll sometimes is getting DNPs, but KCP is kind of not like the least replaceable. He's definitely the least replaceable guys, and he's a full-time starter, like every game he's available, he was starting. So that's tough. And Grant was like, making up for like losing those guys. He's definitely going to be a rotation player for you. And around guys like LeBron and AD, you might get the best version of him too. So, I mean, you will get the best version of him. Just pair his smartness with those guys. So that definitely. Um, yeah, just for the Lakers, that's where it kind of gets tough for me, losing all the uh, – Losing all those guys. Yeah, it's just like how much of your rotation pieces are you cutting out and removing? Uh, I, I think KCP is pretty important to them, but it's definitely it gives them it gives them a ceiling, gives them a guard. I mean, they desperately need a guard that can create and get buckets. So we will uh, we'll see if they take a home run type swing. Kemba, <laughs> that'll be really interesting. Yeah. Do you have any more? Yeah. Uh, I mean, would you – this is another kind of funny one. All of Boston's past decisions are looking a little shaky. It's like, would you rather have him or Horford? 
Yeah, I've seen that one tossed around. I don't know if I'm giving up a pick to turn him into Horford. That's what I've seen on like Twitter a lot. Um, but you know, uh, I might still go Kimba honestly because I just don't know how much Horford has left. But he's probably rested up. He's probably healthy. So I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, kind of depends if you can get some other point guard that's semi-capable to replace Kemba, right? Yeah. Um, then, so, I mean, it sounds like you're more on the keep Kemba train, but, I mean, if the Knicks gave you a uh, protective first, it just, like, for Kemba, you wouldn't be interested in that? Like, they give you, like, Knox or some nobody, because the, the Knicks have all the cap space. So um, the Knicks just giving you Knox and a pick? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would do that. Because my whole thing with Kemba is not wanting to pay to get off him, really. Or pay to um, I like the Clippers. And part of it, too, is I think that Clippers option is pretty realistic. I think they might end up, especially the Clippers series, which we'll probably know more of pretty soon since they're about to play. Just yeah. Yeah. So as long as it doesn't cost them assets, you'd be a fan, you'd be fine with moving him. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part, yeah. Um, maybe one more. What about we talked about this at the trade deadline, but trying to get Jeremy Grant for Kemba and probably would take two firsts, maybe even something greater than that, because Jeremy Grant's probably worth like a first plus on his own, and Kemba might be slightly negative, so. I don't know, maybe you could take Corey Joseph, Josh Jackson, maybe some something the Pistons would consider bad salary, and then maybe throw in one of your young guys. Oh, yeah, I'm for sure all over that. Cause we've talked about it before, but I love Jeremy Grant, especially like the new version of him that can create a little more. Um, and just divert the insane versatility Boston would have playing Brown, Tatum, and Grant. So, yeah, I'm all for that. But I just don't think they'd be too interested in it. Yeah, it'd be hard. Yeah, it would just be like resetting further for the Pistons. But I mean, they have they had three first round picks last year, um, like that they took and are developing. So like, they're not really winning anytime soon. Kind of we talked about already many pods ago that Jeremy Grant, not entirely sure what he does for their like next three to five years of being successful. Obviously, Kemba doesn't either. But you're getting the picks and the young guys. So, no, it's an idea. But you're right, Pistons probably wouldn't be too much for that. Do you have any other uh, Kemba ideas? Uh, no, that's all I have. Okay. Do you have any other other trades, not including one of those two guys? No, I spent so much time on those that <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't really look too hard on some random margins or even superstars like Dame. So, um, yeah, that's all I have trade wise. I'm done with the free agency, which. Oh, yeah, well, maybe two, whatever you got left. I have two quick hitters. Well, they're not they're not light deals, but we don't have to spend a ton of time on them. So okay. you were willing to put Jalen Brown on the table for Lillard. Would you trade Brown for, like, Cat? Oh, that's so tough. Just So the only thing that would stop me is just kind of – the idea of like having a center who doesn't protect the room like that and isn't great defensively. 
Like it's basically all the same offensive reasons, which is wild considering Cat's a center and just, just how insane of a shooter he is and stuff and what he'd open up for them. But I mean, there's just so much star talent. I yeah, I mean, definitely in the conversation. Like I'm so conflicted about it, but yeah, he's in the conversation. Would I actually do it though? I think I'd lean yes. I think so. Yeah. And you have, you would keep Kemba and Smart, and you'd have Cat uh, and Tatum. I mean, that seems like a pretty sick team next year. And obviously, yeah. the age range is still good. I don't know if Minnesota would be interested in that. It'd probably be, have to be like he asked out type situation. But I don't know. One other one that will never happen. What about Jalen Brown for Bam? Like this is what the premise of Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, mixing things up, right? Like they. Sure, two-star wings is great, but maybe it's better to have a good big man, or maybe it's better to have a Lillard, to your point, with trading Brown. Yeah, and maybe Miami's not sold on having these all these non-shooters as their stars. Um, that's, they got pounded, scored 80 points a game or whatever against the Bucks. Yeah. Open to mind. Be, that might be something to monitor, probably. Nothing will come up this year, but maybe like next offseason – you might hear some BAM talk if uh, things don't go too smooth. But, yeah, I really like that. I mean, especially without his passing and the fact that you can, like, literally put the ball in his hands, like, as an initiator and just kind of letting Tatum get a few more easy buckets, which I think would be huge for him. Uh, what was the, what were you saying? Just, like, Brown for Tatum? Brown for BAM. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that I'd definitely be interested in that from – both sides really because i mean if you kind of just obviously different players but impact wise pretty pretty close like very very close to probably yeah and boston has you know aaron nismas they already have tatum they have they could bring back Fournier and smart they have a ton of wing type guys that not like jalen brown's expendable by any means but you could maybe replace more of what you know yeah. the wing production versus your center is kind of hoping robert williams is healthy and hoping tristan thompson isn't a dinosaur yeah. that can still move. Yeah, exactly. No, that's super interesting. All right, that was that was the last one that I had. All right, that's that's fun. Hopefully the people don't hate our trades too much. But um, we go to free agency now. We've kind of already talked about their free agency a little bit, but it's in general a lot simpler. Um, they, they can open up their full MLE, um, but they, I wouldn't – say it's likely, and then they have their trade exception of like $11 million that they can absorb a player in the sign-and-trade, but I don't think that's too likely either. So, uh, And also, like, like what their other trades, what trades they make will kind of determine what direction they want to go. So a lot of moving parts here, but I guess we can kind of just talk about a few of the guys and scenarios we like. Uh, do you want to start it off? Yeah, I didn't spend a ton of time on it because their biggest thing is kind of all the things we talked about already and retaining Fournier, and they are so capped out. It's mostly minimums, like yeah. probably the taxpayer taxpayer MLE. Um, but, I mean, they certainly could trade Kemba and whatnot, but I don't know. Like a stretch big would be nice. They could bring back Kelly Olbinick. He's one guy that I had written down. Um, Jermichael Green, if he becomes a free agent. Uh, Nick Batum, I mean, someone who can shoot and defend a little bit yeah. in space, but he's probably going to go to a team that is even more finals ready, perhaps stay with the Clippers or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's all kind of guys around the margins. I don't know how many you want to go through, but 
Do you no, want to I mean, I'm favorites. Yeah, I like all those guys. Um, I like Alec Burks too. Just if they don't pick any other moves or if they let Fournier walk, just someone put a little pressure on the defense. Um, Nerlens Noel, he might might not be able to afford him with the. Um, they might have to get like the full ability for him, but um, Rashawn Holmes, I like as a sign and trade. Just somehow you can work that out, but probably don't want to give up too many assets. Um, there's a few guys I like for sign and trades too, but there's the other team likely would not be willing to facilitate. Um, I'll just name them all real quick and you can respond to whatever out of it. But Bruce Brown, Devontae Graham, Gary Trent Jr., and Kendrick Nunn. Um, Nunn's actually probably the most possible, I'd say, just because Miami's potential bills they might have to pay with some of these guys. But I just, all those guys interest me in, in like, with the money you have to offer based on their um, trade player exception. But I just don't see any of the other teams facilitating and that player choosing to come to Boston. Yeah, I mean, I liked all those guys. I mean, none would be interesting, kind of just like somewhat similar to Kemba and like scoring punch from a small guard. Um, yeah. Kind of looks for his own more often than not. But yeah, I mean, I would like him fine. Uh, I, had another, I had Patty Mills if, if he was available to come be a vet. Yeah. Like they kind of don't have a big veteran presence on Boston anymore. They kind of lost all their Haywards and Horfords of the world, especially if Kemba were to leave. Um, yeah, there's all guys around the margins and being, they have their first round pick this year and they already have, you know, the guys you named on a two way, like Tremont Waters, Taco Fall, who maybe will be on the big team. Peyton Pritchard, we didn't even talk about. I think he's a role player as well. Yeah. He's, he's was more than serviceable. He can knock down a shot scrappy defenders um so yeah i i don't know that they'll really be looking to add too much unless they're shifting right unless they're trading and or losing guys i'd be surprised if they did more than like a minimum in like the taxpayer mle yeah honestly i put it like maybe even less than 50 percent chance they use the taxpayer mle yeah. so this is going to be a i'd assume a very boring free agency for them and i've kind of already said a lot of the guys i like do you have any Anything else to add, or we can uh, wrap this thing up at two hours? <laughs> no, I think that's about it. The only, I guess, the thing I would want to end on is give me your actual position, your prediction, your take, uh, bold, hot, or not. Like, what are they actually going to do? Are they going to move smart? Are they going to move Kemba? Are they just going to chill and write this year off? Yeah, I think. Me. What are they going to do? I think they're going to. With the Kimba, what's really throwing this off to me is that report about Kimba. How like apparently it's mutual. I mean, I don't know how much weight to put into the report, but it's out there. Um, and people are we're all saying that needs to happen anyway. So there's a good chance that that's real. But I'll start with Smart. I mean, I think he's gonna get traded. Like, I mean, I think they really feel the need to reshuffle the deck a little bit and just kind of with such a big personality and stuff, it's probably just best to go and get him out and really set the tone that like Jason Jalen were like, we want you to be the leaders. We want you to step up. We want to like put the team on y'all's back. Y'all are the captains, all that. And I think like it's just kind of, this is the perfect time to do it. New front office, new coach, um, some more moving pieces. And just like the fact that they're coming into their own as superstars anyway. So I feel like smart is out and just kind of like what I was saying about how he's expiring and, you can get value for him now and 
there's a chance he ends up leaving for nothing if you don't trade him now. So uh, I'm gonna go with that smart. With I'm gonna go with uh, smart getting traded, and then I'm gonna go with one of the simple Kimba deals happens, like the him and a pick for Horford or him to the Clippers for Clippers role players. I mean, I guess I don't know why I said simple, but I, I was just thinking of the Horford one first because it's just one for one. But I think there is. A, I think they both end up getting traded. I guess. Okay, wow, both of them. So you really have talked me into it. I think that moving smart maybe actually will be the wise move in the end just because, like, you can get value from him. And Kemba, as long as your ownership is fine with it, like, you just eat that money and hope that he's 85 to 90% of what he, like, used to And that's to be. a good player. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, good, a really player. good player. And so then, I mean, you still have three really good players, then Brown, Tatum, and Kemba, if he gets back to form, then, like, you could move smart for, like, a decent player and a pick, and, like, now you are still fine for the future, you save save a few bucks in a lot of the deals that we mentioned uh, with smart outgoing, and you kind of just kick the tire down the road a little bit with having a chance to still build and be great without mortgaging, you know, like, a future cap draft capital for Kemba so and a, I'm more and more in the risk too of just losing smart for nothing or having to overpay him yeah so I'm more and more coming to your side but I actually think that Kemba is going to get traded that's will be my actual prediction just because a lot of times when there's smoke there's fire in the NBA like yeah. there are I mean there's a lot of blocks that throw out rumors or whatever but this one seems to have some substantiation and it feels like uh, it just feels like his time there has been kind of Mart, I think I saw that he was in the Drew Holiday trade talks. They were trying to dangle him to get Drew Holiday last summer from the the Pelicans, obviously. And so he's kind of jilted about that. I mean, it's a different it's a different GM now, and so maybe that can be brushed aside. But so I'll say that Kemba does get traded, and I don't know. It's hard to find him in a home though. Like the Clippers, Dallas, or the Knicks would be my three front runners. You'll see the Thunder. No, I don't think. I mean, I know they're playing the like long, Chris Paul plan. They're playing the long, long, long game, but I don't you don't know. Think, I just, you don't think they're going to send him to OKC, have him go vegan, re-up his value, and then <laughs> trade him for two first-round picks? At this point, I would believe it. I mean, unless it was for Horford, I, I don't yeah. think that. I mean, yeah, that's the deal. That's what I think it would be, Horford in the first, or Kim in the first for that one just seems like too obvious because like they're like the dumping ground for the last like 14 months that i'm just gonna stay away and not pick not predict them Um, yeah so maybe i'll go for the knicks but yeah i think they'll trade kemba if not they'll trade smart i don't think they'll bring their whole team like i think you make a good point about them wanting to maneuver things around and it's a good time as ever when they got pummeled in the first round and they changed the coach and they changed the front office kind of just like a whole new like a, a mini new era, right? Like the Tatum is still going to be their superstar and probably Brown is still going to be there, but it is kind of like a little bit of turning the leaf. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I think we're basically, we're in a pretty similar school of thought on all this. So any hot takes to close it off? Anything you got on Robert Williams, Simi Ojale, Romeo Langford, any of the guys? Yeah, I mean, do you think they'll extend Robert Williams? That's about the only thing we need to talk about. Like, he's extension eligible. I think that anything uh, over, like, $13 million would be a little bit rich for him. Well, I mean, that's – just looking at the past analogs, I mean, that's really rich 
uh, Zubach, Jakob Pertl, uh Thomas Bryant, who's not even as good as them, but um, just a few other guys. I don't, maybe you could argue he might be like worth that and his potential on that, but just the at the rate that young centers sign, like I can't see it, and just his injury history, I can't see it being that much higher than what those guys make. Yeah, maybe a little bit over MLE, like three for ten. But ultimately, I mean, if I was Boston, like what is the chance he blows up into a $20 million player? Like almost zero, right? Yeah. So I'll uh, yeah, see what he does this year. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Restricted rights next off season. I would just hope that he progresses, but definitely not um, sign a big deal early when you don't have to. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. I think we can call it there. Uh, we hit everything. Lots of fake trades. So we'll put, get these posted on Twitter. Let us know what you think. And yeah, we don't. I don't know what team we're gonna do next. We might actually have some draft lottery stuff coming, so we'll we'll get everyone updated soon on Twitter. So talk to y'all next time.